is surrounding Amelia Earhart conspiracy wise. I'm just giving you a little bit of background. That would be nice thing. What do you reckon? I would like that. Yeah, okay. Um Amelia Mary Earhart was born on the twenty fourth of July eighteen ninety seven in Kansas, USA. Earhart's father was a railroad I can't say railroad. Railroad. Rail Railroad lawyer. And her mother was um basically from a really wealthy family. Um uh, so they were pretty well off until their grandpa- her grandparents passed away and then they started moving around a lot. Um, when This is a quote from the Amelia Earhart website. When 10-year-old Amelia Mary Earhart saw her first plane at a state fair, she was not impressed. It was a thing of rusty wire and wood and looked not at all interesting, she dismissively said. It wasn't until she attended a stunt flying exhibition almost a decade later that she became seriously interested in aviation. In 1918, after visiting her sister in Canada and establishing a want to care for wounded soldiers in World War I, she left junior college to become a nurse's aide in Toronto. She then later became a social worker at Denison House, a settlement house in Boston. So she did move quite a bit. Is she Canadian? No. Is she American? No. I can't tell. Going all over the place. Going all over the place. Um, Her first flying lesson was in 1921, two months after the pilot Frank Hawks gave her the ride that changed her life forever. (laughs) When she was up, yeah, no, that is also what they said. That's a sentence. Interesting. No wonder what kind of ride that was. I'm assuming it was in a plane. Um, Within six months, she had saved enough money to buy her first plane, which was called the Canary, because it was a bright yellow two-seater biplane. Yeah. Was it just yesterday we were like, there's no birds that are yellow? And I'm like, canary? I think we were trying to work we were trying to work out what kind of bird Woodstock from the Peanuts comics was. My money's on canary. And I think we just decided he was a canary because he's yellow, but he doesn't really look like a canary. That's another theory for another day, guys. <laughs> um, well, you might get a mini episode. <laughs> you might. What kind of bird is Woodstock? Uh, it was in the canary that she set her first woman's record, rising to an altitude of 14,000 feet, which is amazing. So, what was that? 1921. She set a record. Twenty one. And she hadn't been she hadn't been flying for very long. Sneeze. Sneeze. Oh, it went away. (laughs) Uh, In June nineteen twenty eight, Earhart along with pilot Wilma Bill Stoltz and co pilot and mechanic Louis E. Slim Gordon flew (laughs) twenty one hours from Newfoundland to Burryport, Wales. (gasps) Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Musical nerds. Unite. Guys, different podcast. Um, making Earhart the first woman to cross the Atlantic. Now, in our kind of research, I got very confused. Is Woodstock a canary? Yeah. Well, it's just Googled it and Woodstock. 
is a canary, guys, just so you know. So Amelia Earhart flew across the world in, no, flew to 14,000 feet in Woodstock. Um, <laughs> she's so talented. She's so talented. Um, it's, yeah, it got a little bit confusing to kind of try and work out whether uh, Earhart was a passenger in this plane or if she was helping with the flying because it was a 21 hour flight so I would assume they would have tag teamed it a bit but was it tag team between the two men yeah I don't know I mean one video from BuzzFeed uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved thanks guys said she was a passenger but there's nowhere in on like the webs on her website or in the museum website that states either or so if you know that guys can you shoot us the answer Anyway, when they got back to New York, they had a ticker tape parade, which I think is just amazing. I, I would really like a ticker, like a ticker tape parade. <gasps> Maybe after our first, <laughs> our first live show, <laughs> we'll throw ourselves a parade from Dog Bite. Um, we'll throw ourselves a ticker tape <laughs> yeah. parade. Okay, yeah, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> so after this particular moment. Uh, flying became Earhart's life. She married George Putnam on fr- February 7th, 1931, a marriage she referred to as a partnership with dual control. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> the couple started planning um, for Earhart to be the first woman and second person ever to fly solo across the Atlantic, but they did it in secret. Hush, hush. Another quote from uh, the website says, On May 20th, 1932, five years to the day after Lindbergh, she took off from Harbour Grace, Newfoundland, to Paris. Strong north winds, icy conditions, and mechanical problems plagued the flight and forced her to land in a pasture near Londonderry Island. Uh, after scaring most of the cows in the neighbourhood, she said, <laughs> I pulled up in a farmman's backyard. A word of her flight... Uh, as word of her flight spread, apparently I can't read today, the media <laughs> surrounded her both overseas and in the United States. President Herbert Hoover presented Earhart with a gold medal for the National Geogra- Geographic Society. Congress awarded her the Distinguished Flying Cross, the first ever to be given to a woman. Aww. At the ceremony, Vice President Charles Curtis praised her courage, saying she displayed heroic courage and skill as a navigator at the risk of her life. Earhart felt the flight proved that men and women were equal in jobs requiring requiring intelligence, coordination, speed, coolness, and willpower. Sorry, coolness is yeah. listed? Coolness is listed in that quote, yeah. What does that qualify me for? Am I cool? Yeah. Can I? I'd say yes. So then you're equally cool as any other male in your field. Oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs> what an <Duh>. honour. <laughs> In the same year, 1932, Amelia flew from LA to Newark and set the record for longest distance flown without refueling. Earhart was also the first female pilot to complete a transcontinental flight nonstop. So, like, within five years, she was just like, record, 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 record. You know what I'm going to do? Bam, bam, record. I'm going to set another record because you know what? I can. I do what I want. So, this brings us to 1937. So, she's 40 at this point. She's planned to fly around the globe from California to California, 20 stops, 29,000 miles, and roughly 40 days with long overhauls over water. Yeah, that's a long, long hauls that's a lot. Water. Lots of water. Um, success would see her become the first female pilot to ever accomplish this. 
The 10-passenger twin-engine was fitted with special tanks that held over 1,000 pounds of fuel. At the time, 200 was the norm, so it was like five times what most planes were carrying. Uh, On May 21st, 1937, Earhart and Fred Noonan, her navigator, started the journey. On July 2nd, 1937, they prepared to leave uh, Laie, New Guinea. Sure. Why not? Um, I know, I've been there. One day I will, and then I'll ask the people how I pronounce it. Um, with their fuel tanks being filled to capacity and only 7,000 miles to go. So they're already, like, over course. They had planned for 40 days. They're at 42 days at this point. That's but probably not a got... good thing for fuel. No, but they've also got 7,000 miles to go, and they've just had their fuel tanks. I also filled. can't imagine that landing in New Guinea is going to help you that much with fuel. Well, it did. Did it? Yeah, they were filled to capacity oh, by the time they left New Guinea. Wow. Um, Howland Island was the next stop. It was an 18-hour flight. Uh, it's believed that the radio transmissions telling Earhart that the high headwinds that could affect a large part of their flight were never received. When her tra- transmissions came back on, she gave a status report and said they were A-OK. About an hour later, she radioed that she had climbed to 10,000 feet from 7,000, which... Isn't great That's a lot of fuel. For fuel consumption. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it, there were a lot of uh, uh, headwinds means that yeah, the flight was going to take longer. This is not good, guys. This is not good. <laughs> fuel is going to run out quicker. Um, um, she probably did this to avoid clouds and mountains, but they were still on course. With only seven, 97 gallons of fuel left, it is believed that Earhart and Newton, Noonan made it close to Howland Island. As the coastal ship, uh, the Atasca, that was there for support, was receiving the flight's transmissions, and that would have only happened if they were in range. Right. She radioed, we must be on you but cannot see you, and gas is running low. Her last dubbed frantic message was, we are on the line 157337, we will repeat message, we will repeat this on 6,210 kilocycles, and then just wait. And it cut out. The USS Colorado and the USS Lexington were sent uh, to help the search until July 18th. However, Earhart, Noonan, and the plane have never, ever been found. But can they really just totally disappear, Julie? Maybe. Maybe not. KB. Yes. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I like that was a very like bam, bam, bam of the history of Amelia Earhart because I'm so ready for this moment. I have six pages of conspiracy. Whoa. I think this is the most ever. It's it's a lot. Like a lot. Go for it. So let's start. Let's just strap thyself with this <laughs> in. Get ready. And not in a plane, preferably. No, I mean, if you've downloaded the episode and you're listening for a, for a good flight, like, yeah. this will get you through. Yeah. It's, it's not our usual 20-minute episode no. today, guys. So, Gardner Island hypothesis. The Gardner Island theory assumes that Earhart and Noonan, having not found Howland Island, would not waste time searching for it. Mm. Instead, they would turn to the south and look for other islands. So the radio transmission that you mentioned before suggests that they flew a course of 157 degrees that would take them past Baker Island. If they missed Baker Island, 
then sometime later they would fly over Phoenix Islands, now part of the Republic of Kiribati. It's about 650 kilometers south southeast of Howland Island. The Gardner Island hypothesis has the plane making it to Gardner Island on one of the Phoenix Islands. A week after Earhart disappeared, Navy planes from USS Colorado, which had sailed from Pearl Harbor, searched Gardner Island. The planes saw signs of a recent habitation and the wreck of SS Norwich City, but did not see any signs of Earhart's plane or people. After the Navy ended its search, G.P. Putnam undertook a search in the Phoenix Group on the other islands, but nothing was ever found. Putnam being her husband. Yeah, bless him. Isn't that devastating? That's actually devastating. Um, That's just that kind of got me in the cry. feels. Yeah. Yeah. And especially... Like, I will find you. <laughs> especially if they played him that last transmission. Yeah. It's the wait part. Anyway, keep going. Keep anyway, going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> in October 30, 1937, Eric Bevington and e- Henry E. Maud visited Gardner with some potential settlers and in December 1938, labourers landed on the island and started constructing the settlement. Around April 1940, a skull was discovered mm. and buried. After more, after a more thorough search of the discovery area, they found more bones, a bottle, a shoe and a sextant box. Which isn't as fun as it sounds. It's like an aeroplane thing. (laughs) Yes, it is, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) On September 23, 1940, Gallagher radioed his superiors (laughs) that he found a skeleton, possibly that of a woman. Also, like, what's this guy to be like, hey, I found a skeleton. I reckon it's a woman. Yeah, it seems small. It's got no boobs on it. Like, um, soul skeletons look relatively the same if you're not an expert. I mean, it's true. Maybe he was an expert. Maybe, though. yes. Along with the old-fashioned sextant box under a tree on the island's southeast corner. Gallagher stated that the bones looked more than four years old, um, and but there seems to have been a very slight chance that this is the remains of Amelia Earhart. He was ordered to send the remains to Fiji. On the 4th of April 1941, Dr. D.W. Hoodless of the Central Medical School examined the bones, took measurements and wrote a report using Carl Pearson's formula for statue and lengths of the femur, tibia and humerus. I can't say that word. Humerus. Humor. Hoodless concluded that the person was about 5 foot 5 inches and Hoodlin, Hoodless also wrote, it may be definitely stated that the skeleton is that of a male. I cannot say that it may be definitely was the beginning of that sentence because okay. that's like cancelling each other out. Exactly. The, these bones were misplaced <laughs> in Fiji long ago and cannot be re-examined. No, of course not. However, there has since been further research conducted on those original findings and there is a possibility it was a woman. But if they were more than four years old, then it can't be Amelia. It can't be Amelia Earhart because she disappeared three years before. Yeah. Anywho. Well, next theory. Next theory. Julie. The Japanese capture theory. Ooh. Another theory is that Earhart and Noonan were captured by Japanese forces, perhaps after somehow navigating to somewhere within the Japanese South Pacific Mandate, which I guess is doable. Yeah. From where they. They were going. Yep. In 1966, CBS correspondent Fred Gorner published a book claiming that Earhart and Noonan were captured and executed when their aircraft crashed on the island of Saipan. Saipan? Saipan. Part of the northern Ma- Mariana. I can't even marry Mariana Islands. I'm not even going to bother saying that last word. 
letting it go. <laughs> late night recording, early morning recording, early morning recording potato recording. potato. With late night the night before and early morning That's the true. next day. We've been podcasting for like 17 hours. 17 hours. What it feels yeah. like. <laughs> So, Pan is more than 2,700 miles away from Howland Island. However, late proponents of the Japanese capture hypothesis have generally suggested that the Marshall Islands, well, they suggested maybe the Marshall Islands instead, which still, while still distant from the intended location, is slightly more possible. Nineteen In 1990, the NBC TV series Unsolved Mysteries, which sounds fun, by the way, we it should watch does. it, we definitely broadcast an interview with a Sapanese woman who claimed to have witnessed Earhart and Noonan's execution by Japanese soldiers. Interesting. Mm. No independent confirmation has ever emerged for any of these claims, and various purported photographs of Earhart during her captivity have been identified as either fraudulent or have been taken before her final flight. Interesting. Um, a slightly different version of the Japanese capture hypothesis is not that the Japanese captured Earhart, but rather they shot her plane down. Ooh. Yeah. So a former Pan Am pilot propounded this view in his 1993 book, Age of Heroes, Incredible Adventures of Pan Am Pilot and His Greatest Triumph, Unraveling the Mysteries of Amelia Earhart. That is the longest book title I think I've ever seen. Does that seen. not sound that something like, um, who's that guy from Harry Potter? Gilbert. Ah, oh, uh, Gilderoy Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart. That sounds <laughs> like one of his But he's books. also like, unraveling how amazing one man is for yeah. woman. Yeah. Since the end of World War II, a location of Tyen, or Tinian, which is five mile, five mile, but, no, but, you know what, eight kilometres, <laughs> southwest of Saipan has been rumoured to be the grave of the two aviators, and in 2004, an archaeological dig at the site failed to turn up any bones. Interesting. It gets the plot thickens. The plot thickens. In 2017, a History Channel documentary, Amelia Earhart, The Lost Evidence, proposed that the photograph in the National Archives mm, of a museum in the Marshall Islands. <laughs> I was like, what are you, what's wrong? Yeah, if you just, just big, give me it's a big name. If, we'll, if you just uh, skip we'll, over we'll it, it's fine. It's fine. Was actually a picture of a captured Earhart and Noonan. The picture showed a Caucasian male on the dock who appeared to look like Noonan and a woman sitting on the dock but facing away from the camera, who was judged to have the physical, sorry, the physique and haircut resembling Earhart. The documentary theorised that the photo was taken after Earhart and Noonan crashed at Millie Atoll. The documentary also said that the physical evidence recovered from Millie matches the pieces that could have fallen off the Electra during the crash or subsequent overland move to a barge. The lost evidence proposed that a Japanese ship seen in the photograph was the Koshumaru, a Japanese military ship. The lost evidence was quickly discredited, however, <laughs> after Japanese blogger Kota Yamano, 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 yep, found the original source of the photograph in the archives of the National Diet Library. I need that to visit sounds... that library. Mm. Does it... How much weight do you lose when you go there? I hope it's a lot. Me too. That'd be fun. <laughs> the original source of the photo was a Japanese travel guide published in October 1935, uh, implying that the photograph early. was taken in 35 or before and thus would be unrelated to Earhart. I can't, honestly. Earhart and Noonan's 1937 disappearance. 
So, another one that's a bit sketchy. I mean, for the most part, it sounds believable that it's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. Some people are like, yes. Some people are like, hell no. But that's what all of these are going to be. But it's also not the only one. Spies for FDR. Now that rose of out. The World War II era movie Flight for Freedom, 1943, is a story of a fictional female aviator, or is it? Mm. Obviously inspired by Earhart, who engages in a spying mission in the Pacific. The movie helped further a myth that Earhart was spying on the Japanese in the Pacific at the request of Franklin D. Roosevelt. By 1949, both the United Press and the US Army Intelligence had concluded that this rumour was groundless. Oh, it's funny that old movie. Yeah, funny that made up. Anywho, um, I mean that would be pretty cool. And really, we won't know until we break into that secret presidential vault that has all the secrets. And we are going to do that. Yeah, because so National that. Treasure showed us it's possible. Definitely. <laughs> um, We're not going to do that, guys. Please don't send anyone after it. Here's to another. And there's more! Japanese rumour. Tokyo Rose, a rumour that claimed that Earhart had made propaganda radio broadcasts as one of the many women compelled to serve as Tokyo Rose. And she was investigated closely by George... This was investigated closely by George Putnam, her husband. Who was a, a reporter that yes. they met. According to several bi- biographies of Earhart, Putnam investigated this rumour personally, but after listening to many recordings of numerous Tokyo Roses, he did not recognise her voice among them. I'm a little confused because I don't know what Tokyo Rose is. Okay. It's like a like a propaganda thing. Right. Okay. New Interesting. Britain. Oh, there's more guys. This is like this is like the steak knife episode. It's I feel like, like we're almost we're there. just like bam, 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 here's another one, here's another one. And yeah. sign up now and receive a free set of steak knives. That's our episode this week. We should start doing that. <laughs> Where could we source, like, whole source steak knife? Wholesale steak knife? I don't know. Actually, maybe not steak knife. That sounds violent. It does. And I think postage for that would be hard. It would be a lot. Maybe we'll send you a sticker. Yeah, we can do that. (laughs) We can get stickers. Hey, Zane, if you're listening, could you make us some stickers? Thanks, producer Zane. Thanks, producer Zane. New Britain. The theory that Earhart may have turned back mid-flight has been posited. She would ha- She would then have tried to reach the airfield of Rabul, New Britain, northeast. Yep, northeast of mainland Papua New Guinea, approximately two thousand two hundred miles or three thousand five hundred kilometers from Howland. In nineteen ninety, the best year ever. Donald. Donald Unwin, a veteran of the Australian Army's World War II campaign in New Britain. That's right. Yeah. I chucked this one in here because yeah, it's got a little something to do with us. Also, you just said that name perfectly. Can yeah, sometimes like if I don't think about it, I you can just say do names. It. I'm like so impressed right now. <laughs> uh, a veteran of the Australian Army's World War II campaign in New Britain conducted researches. Contacted. Yep. See, I can't say <laughs> contacted though, but I can say Unwin. It's because you got so excited about the fact that the Australian army has been mentioned in a conspiracy theory. Contacted researchers to suggest <laughs> that a wrecked aircraft he had witnessed in the jungle about 64 kilometres southwest of Rabul on April 17th, 1945, mm. may have been Earhart's. Interesting. Mm. I mean, may have been. Here's for a fun one, kids. Is this the last one? This is the last one. You left the best for last. Assuming another identity. 
In November 2006, the National Geographic Channel aired episode two of Undiscovered History, another thing we should probably watch, about a claim that Earhart survived the world flight, moved to New Jersey, changed her name, remarried, and became Irene Craigmile Bolam. Hi! This claim had originally been raised in the book Amelia Earhart Lives, 1970, by author Joe Class, based on research of Major Joseph Gervais. Gervais? Yeah. Is that like, like Ricky, Ricky Gervais? Gervais. Yeah. <laughs> Irene Bolam, who had been a banker in New York during the 1940s, denied being Earhart, filed a lawsuit requesting $1.5 million in damages and submitted a lengthy affidavit in which she rebuted the claims. Oh. The book's publisher, McGraw-Hill, withdrew the book from the market shortly after it was released, and court records indicate that the company reached an out-of-court settlement with her. Subsequently, Bolam's personal life history was thoroughly documented by researchers, eliminating any possibility that she was Earhart. <laughs> Interesting. This is one that's like, here it is, lol jokes. Kevin Richland, a professional criminal forensic expert hired by the National Geographic, studied photographs of both women and cited many measurable facial differences between I Earhart and Bull. Love that someone was just like, you know what, she lived and she's this lady. No evidence. You know what would be fun as well? It's <laughs> just such a dick move. <laughs> just like someone you really hate being like, yeah, well. She's Amelia Earhart. Nah. <laughs> She's been lying to everyone. <laughs> Let's make your life difficult. Yeah, but then that person would also get $1.5 million in damages. Who do I look like? So who, say I am. <laughs> who really wins in this situation? <laughs> I guess no one and everyone. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's one of those things that I think have sparked a lot of uh, fiction like novels and movies and stuff have all headed down that like she flew over the Bermuda Triangle and now it's like it's she disappeared because it's Magic Island you know that kind of stuff it is magic it is um but it was just like I this this conspiracy makes me sad because I just would like an ending for her family yeah it's that for her husband and Sabrina's family yeah for the people who love her to be like... Actually, yeah, poor Noonan. He doesn't get much credit in this gig, does he? He doesn't, really. He went along for a ride and was like, this is the best idea I've ever had. It's like, in the search for Amelia Earhart. And Noonan. Yeah, he was there too. He's like the Peggy in Hamilton. Yeah. Aww. But I just... I don't know. I think I would hope that if she was a prisoner of war that at some point that government would be like, hey, guys, we actually did capture Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan, and here's yeah. the evidence of it, and we, it's been a long time. Sorry. Some... Sorry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've done it for other things. Yeah. So, so I yeah. just, that's why I probably discredit the captured. I think, um, I don't know, I'm, I guess I lean more towards the, the island one, the first one. That they landed on another island. Yeah, yeah. it is. Gardner Island. Yeah. Is is my more. I think it's like it's so intriguing that there has been no wreckage really found except for the mm. Australian Army guy. Um, Who was still, I believe, I found. Yeah, and nothing then was done about it. Um, yeah, I think that, like, what? 
how does that happen? Yeah. How does that happen? Well, to me, I don't know. I guess they would have already, like, not dredged the sea, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. there surely well, would have been searches of the sea. It's also a very giant ocean. So. It is a giant ocean. And even though the plane, it's light aircraft. It's not. Yeah. Not a huge plane to find. No. And so. a plane in the 1930s is it's a very different to a plane we have. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, potentially... Don't even get me started on how big the sea is. Like, <laughs> deep it is. Yeah. That blows my mind, how deep yeah. the sea is. It's crazy. <sighs> oh, let's not think about it too much. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining us today. This has been a... This has been a... I don't, I don't know. I, we finished it and I'm like... I just... I don't, I don't know. I'm still confused. I'm still confused. Me too. I still confused. She was a... Pretty awesome lady, though. She was a boss. She was really fun to read about. Yeah. I'm glad that we, we've talked about Me her. Me too. Because I didn't know a lot of stuff that... I knew of her. I knew what she'd done, but I didn't realise all the background. Exactly. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on Amelia Earhart or Fred Noonan... Thoughts and feelings. Um, and where you think they might be, let us know by Facebook at Elvis Lives Podcast or email us at elvislivespodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, lives. That's with an S on the yes. end. I can't get. I'm very lispy today, guys. Um, <laughs> and as per usual, rate, review, yes. subscribe on your favorite podcatcher of choice, Please. unless it's Spotify, which just sends us how many plays you guys have. Yeah, had. So, so if you listen to it on repeat, we're yeah. good. We're good. We are good. We know that you like it. And if you don't listen to it at all, we know that you don't like it. So it's fine. <laughs> we get it either way. All right, guys. Happy whatever day you're listening to this on. We will see you next week. Bye. My name's Shirley from An Idiot On Stage. Oh, hey there! Did you know I have a self-taping studio in Brisbane? No way. Are we in it right now? We are. Ooh, this place is nice. It's an air-conditioned, soundproof room full of mics, lighting, and backdrops to play with. Huh, so it is. Just bring your phone, your camera, or your laptop, and literally plug in and play. Check. I would love you to come and create your podcasts, audition tapes, videos, whatever you can imagine, really. You can check out the details and loads more at anidiotonstage.com.au And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, okay, doing that right now.